Hello and welcome to the Raptor Show on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. The offseason uh, continues. However, we have lots of events to cover. And one of the events that I had the great pleasure of attending was uh, last weekend in Toronto at Mattamy. Um, the Ball Don't Stop Pro-Am uh, came through uh, and featured tons of athletes, but most prominently in, in the Raptors perspective, you got Malachi Flynn and you got Scotty Barnes attending this event. And today, my guest, I'm joined by uh, Akam Nagra, founder of Ball Don't Stop. You know, the big man who kind of put all this together. So first off, Akam, man, I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, bro. Yeah, so listen, first off, um, I wanted to talk about the the event that you put on this past weekend. I already DM'd you and told you, like, it was super dope. It was great to see the community out like that. I know for a lot of people... Obviously, going to a Raptor game, pretty inaccessible, right? These tickets these days are pretty wild, you know? So to get to see these players in, like, a very up-close, you know, atmosphere, there was not a bad seat in the house, really, you know, mm-hmm. um, was was really cool. So I just wanted to get your sense on how did this program come together? Just walk me through, like, when you got the idea and sort of the steps that it took to make it happen. So, yeah, so we actually did this program. We launched this program in 2016. Um, with okay. Jamal Crawford and the Seattle crew, they used to come up to Vancouver, which is where we're from. And uh, we used to uh, host a big game every year, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. And, uh, you know, Jamal would bring up himself and like another guy. And again, this is when Jamal was like reigning six man of the year. Um, you know, so he was still like a prominent, prominent name in the NBA at the time. And, you know, he'd bring up like a Nate Robinson or Isaiah Thomas. There was always talks that he could bring up a Levine and, uh, you know, bigger things were always in the works, but that's when I realized how big of a hit it is. And I, I, I thought, you know, I thought Vancouver was a hit because we didn't have an NBA team. So just to see those guys at all was just a huge deal, you know, and, and in those games, we used to have a lot of fans. Like I'm talking close to 2000 fans, different venue, different setup. Um, and then, you know, 2019, we took a year off 2020, we're going to bring it back. And then COVID hit 2021. There was no, you know, restrictions all over Canada. So we got, pretty much held back from bringing it back. And, uh, you know, I think when we were here now, we had this opening and it was planned to, it was time to rebuild the event, relaunch the event, uh, you know, with Jamal retired and uh, us being in Vancouver, us have grown, us having grown so much as a platform and, and um, you know, a, a outlet, it was like, yo, we have the ability to do other things now. We don't have to be restricted to just Vancouver. And uh, that's when, and I'm connected well to the Toronto grassroots community, you know, all the youth coaches, all the trainers and all the young players that are there. And, uh, you know, Toronto came to mind and said, look, uh, you know, we could do Toronto. I have a feeling we could do Toronto and that this could do really well in Toronto. And I said, you know, let's go test out that culture. Let's go test out that market. And man, it was a huge, huge hit. Uh, we were just talking the other day. I think this was probably the best one. It was probably the biggest one just because of the energy in the gym and the mm-hmm. hype around the event. Um, it was it was amazing. So this was really just part three. This was our third one that we've done, uh, and now you know we kind of relaunched and we're re- back we're back in the flow of things and probably gonna make this a yearly thing again. Yeah, I was gonna say it's super dope because I feel like um, there's a gap at least currently in the Toronto market, right? Like you had Crown League that would operate quite a bit. I don't remember Crown League taking place in Toronto since like 2018, maybe 2019. Mm-hmm. I don't know where it's gone. Uh, hopefully, it'll come back. It was a really cool event to be part of. Um, obviously you had, you know, Drake's events as well. Um, but no, this was super dope, man. I felt like, you know, obviously 
getting two Raptors into the event really helped like headline it, but just the overall quality of basketball that I thought was put on display. There's a lot of talents, you know, both at the youth levels and obviously at the, uh, at the pro level as well. Let's talk about, um, you know, how you got Malachi and Scotty to, to agree to come to the event. Um, you know, walk me through that. Yeah. So we, the original plan was to hit up Malachi like three months ago. I was like, yo, we're taking this to Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is before he had 73 in, in Seattle. This is before he had 52 in the Drew League. Because, you know, I'm just watching his game. I was really a fan of his game. And I'm like, this is a guy that could really put on a show in this environment or probably would want to play in this. And I hit him up and he's like, let's do it. So we actually had a basketball camp planned with Malachi for the day after. Right, right. And it was at the Game 6 Academy out there. And, uh, you know, he's like, yo, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this camp, let's uh let's just you know you want you you're bringing up that game let's just do that game as well i probably could get another raptor and let's let's just put on a show mm. and, uh, i was like this that's dope let's do it that's exactly what we want to do and uh we put it together you know so before you do these things um you got to get them sanctioned by the nba these pro-am leagues you know right. people don't, yeah you got to actually go through the process of getting them approved by the nba so i set up two i set up one in vancouver i set up one in toronto i was like we're gonna do one of these um, most likely the Toronto one. And these things are really by ear. You know, you never know maybe till like a month out if it's really going to go down. And, uh, you know, that was just a plan in place. So when I got Malachi, I started hitting up other guys. I started – I know all these guys all over – I know a lot of guys all over the league. Mm. Uh, but I was being realistic. You know, I was like, yo, it's the East Coast. I'm not going to ask guys from the West Coast to come through. Um, you know, it, it has to be convenient for everyone. So there was like 10 other guys that were potentially ready to play that weekend. Mm. schedules didn't line up um last minute flights got delayed things like that there was three more guys coming up three more nba guys and uh you know there's still some restrictions in canada that prevented certain guys from getting over the border but you know the the interest the 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 you know the selling point was like you know we're gonna go through we're gonna do this huge pro-am in toronto ball don't stop we're gonna bring you guys up and then you know week of is when i really started pushing because i was like okay which one of these raptors are in the city and malachi started hitting guys up and Word got to Scotty and, you know, Scotty is such a stand-up dude for doing this because he didn't have to do this as a rookie of the year, as the face of the franchise, or, you know, he's becoming the face of the franchise. And he's like, yo, I want to, I wa-, he hit me back. He's like, I want to do it. I want to do it. I want to play in front of the fans. I want to support a local pro-am. Wow. Uh, and, and I want to be in an environment where I could interact with kids in Toronto in the community. And that was just so dope because he went out of his way. I had reached out. I had sent messages to his people. Mm-hmm. And, um, he hit me himself on the Friday night and he's like, I'm sliding through tomorrow. <laughs> no, that's, that's really cool to hear, man. And I, when you talk about like the kids getting a sense of like, you know, seeing a, a player like that, a guy of Scotty Barnes, stature, right? Like there was just so much like, you know, even putting beside the basketball portion of the, the community portion, right? Like you saw even, even during timeouts, it was hilarious, you know, obviously, uh, uh scotty and 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 malachi they didn't even sit they played the whole game too they didn't need to do that yeah. they literally yeah. never sat out um <laughs> but when they would sit on the bench just for timeouts and stuff kids were coming up and they were just like trying to take selfies and he was yeah. signing autographs to everybody you know it, it, you know sometimes it could be a little chaotic i know yeah. it definitely was at the end where you're trying to get our people out the gym and you know people trying to get autographs but just the seeing like the care and the, the attention that he, that he put towards like taking care of this community that made this effort to come out uh, was super dope, man. And, you know, I want to, so if if I'm not mistaken, like, I feel like you and Malachi have had a bit of a connection sort of even prior to sort of putting this event together. So I, if, you, if you're cool with it, like, 
want to know like your history there between you and Malachi. Is it that Seattle connection? Is that West yeah, Coast it's connection? A, it's, a, it's that West Coast Seattle connection. So I'm from Vancouver. And, uh, you know, with, with Jamal, we always had this Seattle-Vancouver connection. We used to cover his league a lot. Mm. Uh, you know, the crossover is something that we were heavily a part of, you know, not just promoting, but really making sure that people see the highlights and the mixtapes. And if you go to our YouTube channel, it's flooded with Jamal Crawford right. highlights, flooded with content from that pro-am, you know, and just him. Those guys are like my brothers. They're like, an, We always say we're like an extended family, you know, because anytime they do anything in Vancouver, it's with us. Anytime we're in Seattle, it's because of them. So. Mm. That, that connection was always there. That friendship was always there. There's other guys in the Seattle community that I'm really connected to, Isaiah Thomas, those guys. And, uh, you know, cause, just because we're a Northwest-based outlet, we're, so, we're, we're more relevant in that area by default just because it's easier to cover those events. Right. Even though we don't have NBA up there, um, there's no Sonics, there's no Grizzlies anymore, but we always made sure to keep that culture alive. So Malachi, it was just so many mutual friends. It was just so many – um, you know, mutual connections there. And uh, as he was coming into the league, I was really covering him as well. Just like this game, just like the demeanor that he had and, and just him being a student of the game. So it was easy for me to reach out to Malachi. There was just, you know, so many middlemen that were just, you know, it was very similar, you know, it was just same crew. I was dealing with the same people that I'd be dealing with if I was working with any of those Seattle guys. Right, right. No, I think this will be a really cool event to like have, you, you know, summer after summer, obviously, you know, this is more work on your end, but, you know, especially now that you have the proof of concept that, you know, obviously it can work in Toronto, that you can get players out. It was a cool event, man. And just seeing like the players and the element, you know, Malachi in particular, I've seen you tweet about Malachi. I'm not going to lie to you. Some of it is like, you know, really forward. Like, you know, you've seen shades of Steph in his game. But honestly, when you saw him at this program and the type of shots he was taking, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I could see where you're coming from. I know people online are going to be like, yo, what are you saying? This is obviously like an NBA champion, four-time NBA champion, just did what he just did. You know, yeah, yeah. obviously you're not saying he's Steph Curry, but when you saw like some of what he was doing in this program, some of the shots he was making, you know, your, your yeah, mind no, can no, jump no. a little bit. <laughs> he's not He's not, He's not. not Steph Curry. I'm not saying he's Steph Curry at all. I'm saying that, you know, if you were to – Ask Malachi and I did, like, who are some of the guys you studied? He was saying Kobe Bryant and Steph Curry, mm, right? So right. everyone always has little fragments of someone's game, no matter if, you know, they're a role player or if they're a guy that reached that height. You got to remember, if you look back at Malachi at San Diego State, like, he was able to really rock out and mimic somewhat of a Curry at Davidson, you know, at times. Um, so it's – it's I'm saying that the archetype of Malachi's game the, is is – similar to what a younger Steph was coming into the league, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, you can't compare him to uh, <laughs> probably arguably the greatest point guard of all time. Yeah. But, you know, there's something there where it's like, you know, the play style, the approach to the game and the shot making. You just see Steph's influence, you know, in, in Malachi's game. And that's where I make that comparison because I feel like, you know, this guy's a student of the game and he's really owned his craft as well through reps. It's a matter of opportunity. Maybe, maybe Malachi's ceiling in the league is – Maybe he'll be an off-the-bench scorer. Maybe he'll be an off-the-bench 13 points a game version of Steph, right? Mm. Whereas he's not playing the full game and dominating the whole game. But he's a key weapon in key moments where he could go to that place for some nights, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the key for him is just like the shot-making ability, right? Like, I think he could definitely knock down shots. His mm. three-point percentage in the league has not been strong just yet. But it's like when you watch him behind the scenes, when you watch him in a prime setting, there's no way you can deny that this guy can't, can't shoot. Like, he could definitely knock down shots. It's just like, for him... What do you think? It's like the opportunity. Is it the style the Raptors want to play? Like, what what do you think yeah. it is about Malachi that the, the the it hasn't fully clicked for him in two years? Yeah, yet? yeah. So so Malachi's style is very dependent on 
freedom, right? And in order to, the reason like I'm not a fan of percentages is because we can't use percentages to define a guy that's only shooting five shots or six mm-hmm. shots or seven yeah. shots, Fair. right? Because on some nights, you know, the difference between two, uh, between 50% and uh, 30% is one make, yeah. right? So it's like, he's really, he's not, it's risky because the way he plays the game, he needs shots. He needs flow. He needs minutes. He needs rhythm. He needs some type of consistent chemistry going into every single night, knowing that these are my spots. These are the minutes I'll be getting in. And these are the minutes that I'll have a chance to make an impact. Right. Um, similar to like a Lou will who used to get in. And it was like that nature, the nature of that role as a backup small guard is just very streaky. Mm-hmm. So some nights you're going to get going and you're going to shoot 50 plus percent. Some nights you're going to come out cold and that's just the story for the night for you. You know, they, they, they're like a microwave. Some nights they work, some nights they don't. And that's just the nature of their game. So for Malachi, it's really an opportunity thing, right? Clearly you can see that he shoots the ball. Well, clearly you can see that he can create, but it's only going to, you're only going to see that at the NBA stage. If he's out there um, and he's able to play without having to look over his shoulder, you know, where it's like, if I make, make a miss a shot, I'm not going to get taken off. Right. Like Steph, you got to remember in order for Steph to become the player that he was, in order for anyone, any great guard, you know, Steph's like an extreme case. Let's just go Fred Van Vliet even, right? Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet, he became that way because Nick Nurse let him play his game and just let him loose. And, you know, he was able to play with that room for error. Like, he he didn't have a small room for error. He he was able to make mistakes. He was able to do so much. Um, and then also Malachi, defensively, he's going to have to improve. He's going to have to figure out a way at that size to be able to get stops and, you know, keep himself on the floor. So I think it's all opportunity for him. I don't I don't consider his NBA career officially started yet. You know, a lot of guys come in and they don't play their first year, second year. So I think this is the first big year that we're going to see from him. And I think Nick Nurse is going to give him a bigger chance this year coming in. Yeah, I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for too, right? Because like you, you I don't know if you've seen these graphics out, but it's like in three program games, he scored as many points as like he did last season already. But it yeah. just tells me that like last season they didn't play much. You know, it didn't really get his opportunity yeah. yet. And you know what? Who knows? I think the Raptors' style of play, they always want to put all these, like, wings on the floor at all times. That kind of hurts him, too, because obviously he's not that. But, yeah. you know, we've also seen Nick give exceptions to a guy like Fred. And obviously there's a there's a ways to go between Malachi and Fred, but there's a path there, at least. I want to switch over and talk to you about, about Scotty as well. So, you know, I'm sure, obviously, you're a, a hoop fanatic. Like, you know, you're a diehard hoop fan. Like, you're watching Scotty Barnes regardless. But even getting to see him up close – in this prime setting, what I wanted to get your thoughts on on Scotty Barnes's game and sort of like what he's shown as a rookie and sort of where he can go from here. Scotty's incredible, you know. And uh, last year as a rookie, I just saw a guy that was really polished. You know, I think you know for his size and his height, he has a really really natural feel for the game, and that's rare, you know, because you come in. He has some of what a Giannis had in the fact that you know, bigger, stronger, faster, long strides, just a freaking nature. You saw that day, right? Like if he, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like he wasn't really trying that day, right? Like, but you saw guys just bumping off of him. It's so effortless how strong he is, how mm-hmm. how fluent he is in his movement at that size and how strong he is, how big of a body he is in person. You see it, right? And and it's just like incredible, incredible stuff. So that right there is an NBA superstar in the making, you know, um, it, it, it's easy to see. And as he improves year by year, it's going to be more of a skill thing for him. You saw him, remember he came out, he airballed a couple shots, but that's what he's been working on. Mm-hmm. He's been working on being able to step out and be on the perimeter and be a threat as a shot maker. But I remember last year, you remember, I don't know if you, obviously you probably watch every game, but remember when the Lakers played the Lakers yep. and uh, Scotty looked like, Scotty looked like an all-star that day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I hit up a player on the Lakers, you know, I can't say his why, 
and I can't say his name. And uh, he was like, yo, this kid right here is going to be special. Um, like we didn't know what to do with him last night. And uh, even when we tried, he had counters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, he's still raw. He's still so raw. Um, so it's only going to go up from here. You know, I think he may not be as freakish of a Giannis type of athlete, but he has that perfect blend of where it's like you got that natural feel for the game. You know how to play with pace. You have that skill level. You can make shots a little bit. As as his as his body develops even more and as his skill level develops even more, he's going to meet at a perfect place um, where it's going to get really, really scary for the league. And he's always going to produce. He's always going to be a guy that, you know, is putting up big numbers, big nights. Yeah, I think the good thing too is just like, as you mentioned, like, you know, obviously like with any, any hardworking player, their physique's going to improve, their skill level is going to improve. But uh, you could tell right away his feel for the game is very strong. Like he knows exactly sort of where to be. That the passing is very solid for him. It comes intuitively to him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the way he's able to get involved, even just like off cuts, off off putbacks. You know that's the way that it's like. Look, if you don't have the skill set just yet, and obviously right now in Toronto, Pascal's the guy, Fred's the guy, and you know everyone's sort of play off of them, right? But yeah. you see sort of the ways he's able to contribute without even having a lot of the ball. Like I don't remember another rookie of the year that wasn't like a number one or two option. Yeah, he you was in one of the option last year, or offense last year. Yeah, so that's all. That's, uh, most of that is like instinct and feel, which is really exciting. And and I think too, it's like one thing you once when you get to see someone up close, it's like you get to see the mentality, right? Like you get to see that, like you know, he has a warm nature about him. You know, I remember I was I was standing uh, along the the baseline there under the basket, and some of the the kids down there, and they were like, "Yo, shoot a left handed free throw!" Like, "Yo, shoot one!" You know, with your eyes closed. And he did all of that, and he actually made where, those. Is that where that came from? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't, I didn't even know because I was just so busy running around. But like, yeah. I was like, who, who told him? He, did he just shoot the left on his own? So his kids telling him, eh? Yeah, kids were telling him, and he's like, "Yo, you don't think I'll do this?" And then he did it, and he still <laughs> made it too. It was like, but yeah, you know, yeah. it's fun because it's like you, you, you saw like the, the warmth that he had, like you know, him making sure to like, you know, throw down three or four crazy dunks so that people in there got sort of their money's worth and, and got to get that entertainment, like. Yeah. There's that desire from him all the time to like provide and, and just be um, yeah. improving as a player, which is uh, which is great to see too. So you know, listen, I want to shift over and talk about you know what you do as well, right? Over at Ball and Stop, because obviously, like this brand of yours has like really skyrocketed. And for me, as someone who also sort of like um, you know started online and tried to sort of make like a a path for myself in, in online media I w- i'm always very curious to sort of know how other paths sort of came to be so i'd love to hear about your origin story like how did you even get started in this and 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 sort of what were some of the the, the uh, big inflection points that help you become as successful as you are yeah so i actually started ball don't stop in 2013 2014 okay uh, i was coming out of high school uh, I'm 29 now, but I was I was a 19, 20 year old at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, here in Vancouver, I was you know I was a good basketball player. You know I put up 24 a game as a, as a senior in high school. So I was supposed to play at a college level. Um, I was supposed to redshirt at a local college here. And as I was playing, you know I was seeing. I, I thought I would play at a higher level than that. I didn't want to redshirt right away. I wanted to play right away. I wanted to have an impact right away where I was going to play. And then you know I had to look at myself. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to play pro. I'm not going to. Am, am I going to be able to grind year after year and level up and get to get, get to the place where I'm playing, making an impact at that, at that level. And then, um, you know, maybe go to a higher level, high, like a CIS, like a youth sports school and, mm. and play there. And, um, you know, and, and I had that honest conversation with myself when I think that wasn't possible, 
though I thought I had the ability to do it when I didn't think it was possible from a, a logistics standpoint and just like, you know, the situation I was in at that moment, I said, look, I want to, I want to step away from this. But as months went by, I was in a dark place because basketball, you know, day and night, that was my everything. And, mm. and uh, you know, when you, when you have to play the game and train the game and, even the things that I say now is like all of that is just guy that was student of the game that really studied the game from a young age. I remember Larry Bird, Isaiah Thomas. I would just watch these guys tapes as a young kid, you know, not even knowing by accident, just watching them playing and, and uh, studying their moves and AI and Kobe and all the great players that came. So I was always trying to mimic these guys in some form. So, you know, I had years and years of just knowledge for the game or just like, you know, attention to detail, uh, studying these guys and and I'm like okay what do I do now right it's 2013 um, you know I don't really have basketball in my life anymore and that was really hard for me because it just abruptly kind of stopped and you know I was still training I was still preparing to play but I I, st- I went on you know social media era was just starting at that time right and 2013 2014 Twitter had took off but Instagram was coming in and uh, you know I started kind of like a blog just balldonestop.com and that's where um, I started, you know, writing articles and we did really good on the SEO side and we were able to get a lot of traffic. And then what I was able to do was build like this credible brand. I was covering the league, you know, I was starting to get media passes for games. And, um, you know, I was like at the point where I, I had, you know, people liked what I was doing. Certain people that were receiving my content at the time, um, they, especially NBA players, they were fans of how I was writing. Writing was still very much a thing at that time. Mm. Um, and it still is, but over back then it was just writing still. And, uh, you know, as I made my name, you know, um, I was able to get access. I was able to get good access to certain guys and certain teams and certain um, arenas and covering finals, all-star games. It was all happening so quick. Here I was with this website, um, just traveling, traveling all over, man, just putting my own money up, making sure I'm in every gym, making sure, you know, I went from being a basketball player, um, though it was not at a really high level, but I was still a basketball player, to now I'm three years later standing next to guys like Kobe Bryant and AI and LeBron. And it was just surreal, you know? So yeah. it was just that brand. It was just being built, you know, and, and YouTube and there was just social media was taken off. So we were building a following there, all our content, all our traffic was being directed from these social media channels. And uh, they were, we were in the social media boom at that time, you know, um, it was easier to build an audience. It was easier to build a following back then. And I really set, built my foundation at that time. And, uh, you know, I had got my name out there, you know, a lot of players started knowing me and, uh, you know, 2019 came around. That's when I started my podcast and the skyrocketed because now you had a face to it. Now you had weekly content, weekly episodes, weekly takes. Some thought it was crazy. Some thought it was amazing. Some thought, you know, like, who is this guy? But it was kind of, I was kind of polarizing and, um, some people, they, they, they don't like how I speak on the game. Some people love it. So there was always this, um, kind of like a mystique behind me, but I, they, they realized who this guy was. And I was always independent, just building my own brand by myself. Um, and these are the origins, man. It, it all came from everything you hear me speak on is just, it's literally just a student of the game and a guy that studies. Sometimes I may be off. Sometimes I may be, um, you know, I nail it. Sometimes I'm wrong, but that's, that's beyond the point. You know, it's, it's more so the place that I speak the game from is really as, you know, literally as a hooper. So, that is the origin of my story, man. Just a kid that loved the game and, uh, you know, was able to build this media company around it, uh, around, and that passion, you know, that I had was, I was able to articulate and express it. And um, in this always changing age of content, um, it's one thing to know the game, but you also got to know how algorithms work, how, how, um, you know, how algorithms always change. There's always new patterns and new trends. 
Um, how do you get your content out there? You know, how do you get this in front of everyone's eyes? Uh, your delivery is important. Your cadence is important. Um, you know, it's so much as far as presentation goes. So all these things I learned on the fly, I kind of had a natural touch for that as well. But, you know, it was just my basketball, whether you like it or not, my basketball mind and my, my, my takes coming in and um, the way I view the game and the way I present the game, meeting how I was able to build, build on the internet. And that's what created this, man. Yeah, no, that's first off, that's really real, man. I feel like uh, I relate to just what you're saying, right? Because like at the fundamental element of it, it's that it's that pure love of basketball, the love of the sport and sort of like, you know, if you really dedicate yourself to this thing, like it will eventually reward you. Right. And obviously it's it's done that for for you and I in, in, in sort of two different levels here. But yeah. I think in your case, like one thing I always think about when when sort of uh, people come into the game in terms of on the media side, right, like why i think people usually reach a point where they ask themselves why should other people read my work listen to my work watch my videos or share my takes or whatever and i think people sort of come to this realization they think well where do i have the credibility coming from is it because i've looked at all the numbers and i've crunched them and there's a new way that i look at them or i find a, a new set of data or i'm so good at you know writing code and building my own data sets that I, I could present this or like I watch so much film and I know the playbook and I'm like, yo, this is like a motion week. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, like put all those little videos together on YouTube. There's that. And then I think there's the other portion where it's like people who just have played a lot of basketball and there's yep. like a built-in experience. And I feel like that, that's the part where maybe because people aren't there to sort of see the process of sort of what goes into it, people discredit it. It's not as like tangible as like, here's a number, right? My, 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 here's my numbers. Numbers are, you know, uh, I guess I'm biased uh, supposedly sometimes, but like, it's like, you know, here's, here's my numbers or here's the film and here's the plays I'm breaking down. Whereas I think from your perspective, and this is just for me speaking as an outsider. So, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but you have this like built in, knowledge from playing from watching from studying from talking to players that that gives you like a player's perspective and of course that's going to naturally differ from what the stats say right or, or what the film says but Absolutely. i think there's a lot of credibility to that you're 100 right and that's what it is and then you know sometimes there's a disconnect with certain guys um because they may not have been in that position and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but what ends up happening is that when you discredit that, I feel like that's the most important thing, you know, when you can actually feel the game. There's a difference between numbers and, um, you know, obviously there's all types of advanced stats that you could come up with to make a certain situation what it is, but there's a whole different viewpoint on the game when you really feel it. And that was where my success was, you know, like in today's day, you're seeing that, you're seeing the numbers, you're seeing how much of a soap opera basketball has become. And, you know, for me, it was just, I was always, this wasn't even a business plan. This was just who I was. You know, a lot of these players that you see come on my show, they were like, yo, I respect this guy so much because he's literally speaking our language. He's able to articulate it and he has the platform to make it blow up. Mm. So this is something that we naturally want to support. And, you know, it was, that's just what it was, bro. It was just like, you know, they were like, yo, this is a guy that feels the game as opposed to just throw shit out there, you know, where, there's a disconnect like this may not this stat isn't what it is, really is you know like mm -hmm. this stat's not what the scenario really is um so that's where it came from bro i just had that natural you know natural just feel in that mind and, and that understanding of what's really happening you know and i was never ever over dissecting it was never too deep it was just like because the 82 game season playoffs like 
you know, I was just I was just going by by flow, bro. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the, the other thing too is just like okay, so I, I've obviously come across your content a lot, especially in the preparation of this thing. I listened to a whole bunch of your your podcasts, mm-hmm. and I'm like, listen, first off, a lot of the things that you called were right, right? Like I was even looking at your podcast feed; it was like, why Jordan Poole is going to take the Warriors to the next level? I'm like, damn, you said this, and like, it, it's cool if you said this in like April. Right. I feel like people probably caught on by then. You said this back in like November of this past yeah. season, right? Yeah. That was early, right? You yeah. called like the, the Nuggets were going to really struggle to get out of the first round. You didn't even know what the matchup was at the time. You didn't know they were going to play the Warriors, but you know, you had that sort of down, you know, you compare, you know, and you, you give your takes, which I, I'm like, listen, the, no one's going to agree with all your takes. If you're a person that comes out there and puts out your content and everyone agrees with every take you have, what was the purpose of sort of what you did? You know what I'm saying? Like you just like have found perfect <laughs> equilibrium, I guess, but that's cool. But you know, that's not necessarily what the function of this business is. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, listen, I, I do see a lot of critiques about your work, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and to me, I'm curious in terms of, like, how do you respond to those things? Like, when people say that you rely on the eye test too much versus stats, like, is there a specific problem you have with stats? Or sort of, like, what do you sort of see, like, what do you see as a disconnect, right? Because you have a lot of positive feedback, but you also have some negative feedback. As you mentioned, you're a little polarizing. Do you mm-hmm. feel, what do you think is the reason for that? Oh, uh, well, I just think the era that we're in now, Um you know, basketball coming up 90s, 2000s, it was never this number centric. It was never this um, stat driven. You know, mm-hmm. when we watched the game in those days, you know, it was more so for what we were seeing on the court. Oh, right. Iverson plays hard. Kobe Bryant's mentality. You could feel those things. Shaq's physical prowess. You know, you do. You would see those things. Then you go to the stats, right? Um, that's how you do it. And nowadays I felt like, especially as this analytic boom happened, 2015 onwards, you know, I'm, I mean, I, I love stats too. Like I like looking back at, you know, who did what and what mm-hmm. era. Yeah, of course. We all do. And and that's how, um, you know, but, but around 2015 when this analytical boom kicked in, man, I started noticing something. And a lot of this is the reason for my success. The game just became robotic in, in terms of how it's presented. You're just seeing numbers, 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 numbers. And I'm like, okay, there's there's definitely more to this game than just the number. There's a why behind that number. There's a who, what, when, where, why. Why is that number? What are you what are you right. seeing behind that number? Why is Carmelo's um, field goal percentage low? And you know, in turn, he's out of the league. You know, what was the why behind it? Why would that number look different if he was in a different scenario, being utilized in a different play, in in a different half court set, right? So. I was like, you know, the numbers are the end result of the eye test, really. You know, what you're seeing in terms of uh, plays and usage and how guys are being u- implemented in a system and which direction of the floor they're being, you know, uh, uh, utilized from, where are they attacking. There's so much depth to those numbers. And mm-hmm. that's when I came in and I was like, you know, the numbers are what they are. You can make a case for anything, good or bad. Um, there's a million and one ways to do it. Like you said, you know, a lot of people are just crunching different these days. I don't have a problem with numbers. My thing is when you make it just only about numbers and you come up with narratives based around numbers and there's such a dismissal nowadays of we've been so conditioned. Oh, he shoots this much percentage. He's not efficient. There's a why behind that. Right. And, And I always try to come in and break that down. So the critique I feel like is honestly a lot of disconnect for people that may not have played basketball or, if not playing basketball, then, you know, they were never able to uh, simulate it to the point where they can see what's happening on the basketball court just because of that disconnect. And they don't really know what goes into this because I'm really just speaking in a form of love for the game. So I don't right. understand what the peak is. I'm not, I'm not shitting on someone. I'm not, 
you know, I'm not. That's the thing too. Cause that's very easy in this like basketball media economy for people just to like, I'm going to pick a lane and I'm going to yeah. love John Moran or I'm going to hate John Moran. You know what I'm saying? And like, yeah. people are just like, if I pick a specifically divisive stance, I'm going to yeah. get engagement. But I actually like, in looking through a lot of your content, like that doesn't come across. What really comes across is like you really, really love basketball and yeah. you don't really necessarily care about like, this is what the general consensus is. Maybe uh, I'll sort of stick close to the pack. You just yeah. come out with your takes. You'll be like, yeah, Carmelo's the top four score of all time. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. you know what? Okay. You know what? This is interesting to me. Like, let me, let me hear this guy out. Like why, yeah. you know, why, why does he love Melo so much? Like, is yeah. there a part of Melo's game that obviously I've watched his whole career too, but it's like, is there something I've been missing, you know, and, and you got Kobe as number one all time. I'm like, well, look, personally, I disagree with that. But at the same time, I want to hear you out. I want to hear your reasoning, yeah. you know, like, yeah. and, and that's the thing too. That's at that point, it's a hoop conversation. I feel like we yeah. stopped having like, not me, we stopped having hoop conversation because this right here literally is a hoop conversation, but like people stop talking about basketball uh, without sort of like, pretenses or like a guard or like they're just like i want to make sure i'm right and i want to make sure that i have like a point a b and c i'm like i'm not trying to write an essay about basketball man i really yeah. just like i love basketball let's that's, talk about it if it. you disagree that's cool you know yeah it's not it's not you know another thing is like half the shit that we see nowadays isn't even real like you having a podcast being on sportsnet that's real like you're a real form of basketball uh content you're a real form of basketball um uh, analysis and, and presentation you're there's a face to it. There's a platform to it. There's a whole thing behind it. 95% of what we're seeing on our timelines, what is it? Especially when you go talk about Twitter. Is it real? Is it even a real human? Like, or is it a kid? Is it a 13-year-old? We don't really know. So I don't put too much stock into the criticism that comes from there because I can't even put a face to some of this. That's why I don't end up replying to a lot of people because I'm like, am I really doing all this, building all this, doing all this cool shit? <laughs> to argue with the 13 14 year old on twitter that yeah, fair. Is, really, no, fair. is really just trying to poke me and 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 you know just get some get some uh shots in get some trolling in so that's another thing but um you know with 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 uh with what you just said man yeah there's there's a certain way i view the game maybe maybe some people feel disconnected but as you can see man i'm really just coming from one specific place um but a lot of people you're right have stopped having basketball conversations so that's why i try to bring that back yeah, and it's very evident. Like, all the points you're trying to make are, are basketball points. Like, they're not like, a, I'm trying to hate on this guy, which I really do appreciate. I feel like especially a lot of the major outlets are are leaning in this direction, which I yeah. think is kind of cynical. It turns the game of basketball, which is really pure, really, like, beautiful, into something that is almost like a political commentary. Like, you got Republicans versus Democrats or something. Like, that's not what this game is about. It has literally yeah. has nothing it's about weird, this yeah. game is like that. But yeah. I think that's just, like, in terms of online, how to sort of create reaction and things like that. Fast I mean, food. We're in the we're in the fast food culture of uh of coverage now. You know where it's just yeah. quick quick hits, quick rushes, quick rushes. You know you see if you put it this way, you don't remember what you laughed at three days ago in your timeline. Hell no, man. You don't because yeah. you just scrolled through and laughed through new shit. So like that's what we're in now, right? And uh, that's why I've almost had success because I'm consistent with how I come at you. So yeah. whenever whenever you see me, you're gonna see um a similar theme, a similar presentation. You're going to probably, you may not stop every time, but you're going to stop and, dis and and digest that. Mm. Whereas like, you know, for most people, it's just, what can I get this engagement with? What can I get this engagement with? You know, how can I be funny today? How can I be disrespectful today? How can I, you know, it's just, it's a little bit messy. You know, it's, I feel like we're in a cheap culture as far as engagement goes. Um, I'm not a fan of how deep social media has gone. 
uh, with the game. I thought we were in a good little place at one time. I feel like we've gone off the rails now. So I can't change it, bro. I can only do my part. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But and listen, this is not to say that you and I don't have crazy takes. You know, I, I saw something about like you said, Zach Levine, you know, is a better basketball player than Giannis. I don't think you that's fundamentally fake, believe that. That's actually a fake. That's fake. fake? Yeah, bro. See, this, I don't know what, what's going on with social media, man? Why, why would even someone even put this together? Yeah. So, like, I don't know why. I don't know where that came from. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> that's so <laughs> random. Like, why would of all so things random. to make fake, man? Okay. Like, I could, I could see if someone, if I said, yeah, like, I feel like Zach's more skilled as a player, you know, um, yes. as a shot creator. As a yeah. shot creator, he's more skilled. As a, you know, but how are you going to compare Zach? And, you think I'm stupid enough to compare Zach and Giannis? Those are two different players. Yeah, fair you're enough. Talking about, you're exactly. talking about a two guard, and I love Zach. You're talking about a two guard. Um, who operates really on on the perimeter compared to uh, a forward, a front court player? You know, I'm, I always get frustrated when I see that. I'm like, do I even address this? Like, I didn't say this. I didn't. Right, right, right. It. It's like but, a weird comment. It's like it's. I don't know what that is. That's so weird, man. Who took time? Out? This is what I'm saying. Like, this is why you're talking about like 12, 13 year olds because I feel like only a 12, 13 year old will have enough time online <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> to make a fake IG comment about <laughs> this specifically. Anyway, like, I think that's like the point is like you know you can put takes out there, people can disagree, but you know that's ultimately what it is. Look, I, I only I only want to hold you for two more questions. I really appreciate your time. This has been really dope. I think to me, you know, for you coming from the player's perspective, I feel like you really value like skill right like offensive skill the more well-rounded you are as a player the more things you're able to do I think that's sort of what like favors highly into your evaluation of players and I think the only thing to me is just like I don't really hear as much about like what your stance is on like defensive talents and defensive prowess and sort of like even the playmaking aspect of the game so I'm I'm just curious as someone who consumes your content like where does that come into your evaluation of players and sort of like yeah. So I always explain this. Um, people always say, why don't you talk? I love defense. I was a defensive player. Um, I liked uh, guarding the other team's best player. You know, whether it's a, on a small level here in Vancouver, Canada, I still love playing defense. But uh, the NBA uh, defense is non-existent in my mind today in the 82-game season. I think man-to-man mm-hmm. defense has been disabled. I think man-to-man uh, one-on-one defense in the half court is non-existent because the game is becoming an up-and-down marathon. There's too much spacing. It's too much isolation. There's too much pick and roll. So where can I really uh, go into that uh, dissection of defense until it's late in the playoffs? Drew Holiday mm-hmm. in the 2021 NBA Finals. That's when I really loved what I saw defensively. Um, you know, what we saw this year from uh, – who was it that was locking down um, in the finals? Uh, Wiggins. Wiggins, Wiggins yep. one-on-one, you know, taking Tatum out of a game. You saw how that defense came to life when games slowed down, right? And that is what I loved about basketball back pre-2015, before the analytics boom just told us, hey, space everyone out and just shoot threes. Um, you know, and, and it kind of took away from defense, right? It took It disabled – man-to-man defenders on a night-to-night basis. And I don't care what anyone says. You're not seeing that hard-nosed one-on-one coverage anymore. No, so, you're really not. You're right. You're not. So, like, I don't have, the as far as today's game goes, that much content to talk about. Rim protectors, sure. Um, help side defense, sure, because it's a team defensive game now. But even rim protectors, like, it depends if you're it's, – it's so context-dependent. It's, like, dependent on the scheme you play. Like, if you play a drop coverage, you're probably going to get a lot of blocks. Yeah, Even it, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could yeah. – a better defender playing up on the perimeter like a Draymond yeah. probably gets less blocks than someone who's just playing drop but isn't that great of a defender. That's what I mean. So, remember how the Clippers took Rudy Gobert out of the paint? Yeah. Like, it's just – the game's really changed, man. It's like defensive guys 
you know where I saw defense was? I saw defense last year at the Olympics um, mm. in the in the in the FIBA. That's where I really saw it because the game slowed down. It became a half court affair. But the reason, the whole reason I say Kobe is who he is, is because of who he had to defend in the half court on a night to night basis. Um, but I don't think, uh, um, you know, I love defense, bro. I love it. I just don't get to see it as much on a night to night basis. If you're talking historically speaking, I'll talk to you about defense all day. Shane yeah. Battier, Bruce, Bruce Bowen, um, guys like that that were really locked down. Andre Kirilenko, um, but I don't see man do man like LeBron in 2011 in the Eastern Conference Finals. How he was able to contain yep. Derrick Rose. You know, there's so much of that that's just. So I'm not a fan of the analytics, man. They took away half the damn game. Um, you know, in my mind, so it's really a team defensive game. And what was the second part to that question? I mean, I don't. I guess playmaking. playmaking I think that was the second part. Uh, I mean, I, I do, I do talk, even playmaking, like, I think as a creator, when you're a creator, like a Kyrie, when you're a creator, like a Steph, mm-hmm. guys that I talk about a lot, you're by default a really good playmaker, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you, you draw so much attention. Uh, you know, I thought even Durant, they used to question Durant's playmaking, but then you saw what Durant did in those conference finals games, uh, sorry, those second round games against the Bucks last year. The triple-double. Yeah, he was able to be a guy that could get out 10 assists really if he wanted to. I really think getting a bucket is the highest thing in basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to defend and play make and all those things are also very important things to have. But I also think that above all else is scoring the basketball, man. So it's just, that's just my approach on the game. Yeah. I've heard you say a couple of times that at the end of the day, the game is about bu- getting a bucket. And I'm yeah. like, you know what? I do agree with you. Like, especially cause it's like regular season is a little different. It's a little system oriented. Can you sort of pace yourself? You got depth on the team, you know, whatever you can sort of like come through with a really strong win record, but in the playoffs when the game slows down. I think that's also when we love basketball the most. I, I don't know yeah. what it is. Like, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I, I do kind of wish that the regular season was maybe not as intense as the playoffs because I feel like all the players will wear down and the playoffs will be bad. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I don't want to see 140 versus 130 in the regulation. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's like a fake 50 points yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We don't – we don't – stats are inflated because we don't see um, – you remember back in – I mean, I don't know. When did you start watching basketball? I'm the same age as you. So I started so, watching basketball probably like when I was 10, yeah, like okay, 2003, so, 2004 ish. There you, you know? go. There you go. So you remember there was nights where we'd watch an NBA regular season game and be like, yo, that was a playoff preview. Yeah. 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 yeah all the time. You don't get those as much anymore. You don't get those as much anymore. Mm. I remember games in December. I remember intense games in a February and a March where I was like, yo, that was a playoff preview right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those games, you felt the grind, you felt the intensity of a possession to possession basis. I don't think you have that in today's season. So it's 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 really hard for me to really analyze it on that level. But I wish playoff basketball. Um, there was a moment, believe it or not, we we I sat with my team, and they're like, "Should you just cover the playoffs?" I'm like, "Nah, that'll be that'll hurt the brand if I if I'm not there all year." They're like, "I think you've built it up to the point where you just come in the playoffs when it gets real, mm. and that's when that's when you really dissect." Because turns out there's a lot of days where I'm dissecting a bunch of nothing that's just not going to translate to the playoffs yeah. from either or either side, defensively or offensively. No, I hear you, but listen, that's how the media economy is. Like, you really have to be, no matter how successful you are, like a lot of your success is predicated on being consistent and being able to do it day yeah. after day. So I, I feel on that. I think the other the, the other question I wanted to ask you too was just like, I don't know, do you ever catch memes of yourself? You know what I'm saying? Like, because there's that one popular meme that goes around. You know who you are at the elbow. I think you know. Oh, yeah, I think yeah, you know yeah, what you're yeah. talking about. I do. I do. I just want to ask you, like, what's the mindset you, that you get to when you, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just like I, I can sense in that moment, like, overwhelming passion for the game of basketball when you start to list out, like, you know, all the sort of spots on the floor that you can score on. So, like, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to know if you if you if you knew of the meme and sort of just like what you were thinking yeah, in that moment. It. I see it, man. I create short form content, so my podcast is five to six minutes. Yep. And I really have to with my delivery, and that's what was made me successful. Is when I go into these networks and I go into these meetings, I show my numbers. You know, five minutes is easier to consume than forty five. And uh, these short form podcasts was dropping on Instagram, getting 50, 60, 70,000 views twice a week. Mm-hmm. So those numbers were really that was how I had success on the algorithm and. What I ended up happening, I had to talk a little bit faster. I had to get my points in a little bit faster. Um, my delivery was kind of like a wrestler, you know, like a Paul Heyman, like a, a like a, <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Actually, now that you say it, <laughs> yeah, I do. and you know, because I grew up watching wrestling a lot, and um, that was uh, that was just how it came about, you know. In that specific clip, I was just really fired up about Kevin Durant. That whole mm-hmm. that whole clip was about KD. Um, yep. It was after it was after Game Five where it was just like people were coming at me like, yo, you said this guy's the best player in the league. You better, he better bring it tonight. Yep. And, uh, you know, that was kind of like a big like, hey, yo, I told you, right? So, yeah. you know, they come in a really intense moment, but I always laugh because, and it, it really, it just builds a brand, to be honest. It just takes me in front of more eyes. It just, you know, <laughs> that meme right there is, is hilarious, you know, because I'm listing all this and it looks like I'm just saying a bunch of shit, but I was really in a passionate mode in that moment and sometimes as a creator you're going in that mode mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh you're in that mode where you're going off i was in my bag as you, nah, speak, you were as in your bag man <laughs> i was in my bag talking about someone's bag and yeah. uh you know that's just where that came from but um it, it really because i have short form content i'm like yo i got five six minutes get out and that's how that's how the making of that you know yeah no it's good i, I think um first off yeah your approach i do like it because it's like really straight to the point you don't like you know, like, I feel like on a podcast, you have so much space to sort of like talk about everything, which is good, right? But also when you have to sort of deliver in that sense, it's very efficient. And then, yeah, I mean, that clip, I, it's funny to me, but it's also like, bro, I could tell this man really loves basketball. That's the thing. Like the passion is the thing that comes through. And that's what makes it uh, such a great clip. But, yo, seriously, man, Ekum, I appreciate your time so much, man. Um, You know, congrats on the Pro-Am again. Once again, like it was such a dope event. I look forward to seeing it next year. Maybe in Thanks. bigger, bigger venues too. You know what I'm saying? Like, like listen, you know, Trump, you know, people in Toronto got money. People in Toronto love basketball. There's yeah. uh there's going to be an audience for it. And uh, yeah, just, you know, just wishing you success in, in, in Appreciate your programs, you, man. Appreciate you. And thank you all for coming out, man. Toronto really loves basketball. That's why I brought it there. At the end of the day, it's a basketball culture. It's a red hot basketball culture. And I saw something there that I don't see in Vancouver, maybe, you know, and, and and we're sitting down here and it's like, do we make this the home? Because we can come back bigger and better. There's a lot of things that were supposed to come to life that didn't come to life. So we may we may be able to bring those things to life in the future. But right now, I don't want to think about planning an event again because I'm really. Yeah, you're chilling, <laughs> man. Chilling. I was going to say, you on vacation, you took time out for this. So I appreciate <laughs> yeah, you a lot extra for that. I appreciate it, man. So thank you for having me. And uh, let me know when you post this because I'll share it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Yeah, I appreciate thank you. you. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you with more of the Raptor Show next week.